0: This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for R.M. Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com, or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. Metron Garage is a company designing unique garages, condos, and other structures specifically for the auto enthusiasts. They've got eight models to choose from, including two-story options, which I think is super cool, while with a very modern look and feel to them. And they come in all sizes, and they're fully customizable. You can check out them today and start specking your own Ultimate Garage at metrongarage.com, where you can request a catalog or talk to someone to learn more. So be sure to check it out. I just want to give a quick thanks to Euro Classics for sponsoring this episode. Euro Classics is all about collector cars from servicing your new BMW M5 to prepping your Porsche for the racetrack to executing a total restoration on your favorite classic. They do it all from routine maintenance to performance upgrades to appraisals and everything in between. You can learn more about its owner Dale Oaks by listening to episode number 65 of this podcast, and you can find Euro Classics in the Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana service area and online at euroclassics.com. Classics, C-L-A-S-S-I-X dot com. Welcome to the Collector Car Podcast. Hey, it's Greg Stanley, and I am going to recap my experiences, my first time going to Monterey Car Week. I'm going to give you a little look behind the scenes, because it's not just all about the cars, but I'll tell you some of the stuff that I did kind of on vacation, and then some of the stuff that happened behind the scenes, either during the auctions or around the auctions. Now, I will also cover the top 10 sales for the entire week. No matter who sold them, I will cover them in a little bit. So be sure to stay tuned. Now this spans from the time that I left Cincinnati, the CVG airport, on Saturday morning until I arrived back a week the following Monday, taking the red eye, Monday morning at 1230 a.m. That really sucked. (laughs) Now on Saturday, like I said, flew from Cincy. I did have a direct flight, but Delta changed it with a layover in Los Angeles for five hours. And I did not see one movie star. So that kind of stunk, and that made for a long day. When I landed, my wife and I went to the Botanical Gardens, which I cannot stress how awesome these are. Now, this is in San Francisco. We had never really visited San Francisco before, other than the Golden Gate Bridge, before going to Napa Valley. So we decided to spend a little bit more time in San Fran. Now, I did get a nice Audi upgrade, the little Q3, from Tim at National. So thank you, Tim, for giving us a free upgrade All I asked for was a sunroof. Here he pulls up in a black Audi. So that was a nice upgrade for the week. Very, very nice. Now, where do you stay when you're visiting San Francisco? Well, we stayed across the bay in Walnut Creek, which was really awesome because it was like that warm, arid climate, much more affordable. And there was a cool restaurants and different things around the hotel. Now, as of this point, I had not seen any cool cars. I know this is all about cool cars collectible cars. I had not seen any yet. Now on Sunday, we did the typical tourist things. We did a San Francisco bus tour, which was really awesome. Uh, We had a great guy, took us all around San Francisco. We did a bay cruise off of Pier 39 so we could see the sea lions. That's not why we did it. That's where they took off, but it was cool to see the sea lions. So we were pure tourists for Sunday and we did the little bay cruise out underneath the Golden Gate Bridge. I was shocked how many windsurfers were out there having a great time. And that was really, really cool. Now, on this day, I did see a few Porsches and an Aston Martin drove by, as well as an Audi R8. So, a couple cars, not what I knew I would be in here shortly. Now, Monday through Wednesday, I won't bore you with the details, but we went to Yosemite for the day. That was a big trip. (laughs) That's a lot to do in a day. A lot of twisty roads. We went to Calaveras Big Tree State Park. I think there's like a Salalis drug commercial right now that was filmed at that state park which is kind of kind of cool. We stayed in a little town called Angel's Camp. Not a lot to do there, but we did find a great Mexican place that we went to twice. And I found out that when you see menudo on the menu, that actually means tripe. So I did not get menudo for dinner. Now, it makes me wonder why with the boy band called menudo, that would be really weird considering it's tripe. Now, we did find a great little town, a lot of you probably know about it, called Murphy's, California. There was like 26 wineries and vineyards that you could do some wine sampling. Not nearly as busy as Napa, but it was still really nice, so we spent an afternoon there. Now, Wednesday night, we went to McCall's Motor Works Revival. Now, this is a little pricey. It actually, (laughs) I say that, but this is actually one of the cheapest things for the entire weekend. Uh, The cost was $375 per person. And originally I was not going to go, but I wanted to catch up with a buddy of mine, knowing he would be there. So in order of time with him, we ponied up the money, five dollars per person, to go to McCall's Motor Works Revival. It was their 30th anniversary, and it was really cool. Picture a really nice hangar party, and there was a lot of private jets around, so you could actually go into the private jet, kind of tour it around. We were not shopping for a private jet, but you could if you were in the market. They would show you all about, tell you all about it, and they had a lot of nice tapas. Uh, food around great wine. I cannot speak highly enough of the wine. They had a ginormous paella. It's, if you go to Instagram on on the Collector Car Podcast, you can check it out. Uh, this paella dish had to be about four feet wide. So the food was pretty good. The wine was fantastic. The jets were neat, and there were a lot of cool cars. Now two issues I had with the event is they actually ran out of wine glasses which is weird, so you could get more wine if you had your glass from before. And they actually ran out of water. They had plenty of wine, not enough water. Now let's talk about some of the cars that were present at McCall's Motorworks Revival. A lot of cool stuff. A lot of the prop cars from Ford versus Ferrari. So these were the mostly super performance cars, the GT40s, the Ferraris. And what was cool, they had the camera mounting equipment on the hoods of some of the camera cars which is pretty cool. There were also some other neat cars. You know, your, your Vipers, your Ferraris, your Corvettes, uh, some cool Broncos. Apparently, Bronco VIN number 00001, which might not necessarily be the very first Bronco. They had the brand-new Bronco. A past podcast guest, Gary Wales, was there with his La Bistion. So I talked to him for a little while. got to meet him in person, which was cool. He's the guy that takes the La France fire trucks and turns them into two-seat crazy boat tail Racers, which is really cool. So he had one there. He, actually, the one he had there was the one that he was completing at the time that we I interviewed him a year and a half or so ago. He had your, your regular Bugattis, your Veyron, your Chiron. Roof had a display. Hennessy had a display and unveiled the new Venom F5. He even fired it up. Uh, there was a Ferrari Dino. Uh, the, the new Ford GTs were present in Le Mans livery. So a lot of cool cars that were there. Now, one thing I do want to cover is what was in the goodie bag. You pay $375, you get some really great wine, some good food, some nice time with some auto enthusiasts. What else is in the goodie bag? Well, there was a sports car market, one of my favorite magazines, their Collector Edition magazine that said McCall's Motorwork Revival Collector's Edition. Unfortunately, when you go into it, it's just the September 2021 edition had a new cover on it. So it was cool. If you weren't a subscriber to the magazine, it was a great way to reach new auto enthusiasts. Uh, there was also a baseball cap and a Monterey guide. So for for the weekend, I got like four free baseball caps, including my wife's baseball cap. So we have plenty of baseball caps. All right. Now going into Thursday, we had plans to go to Laguna Seca for the Rolex Monterey Motorsports Reunion and to view the Pebble Beach Tour de Elegance as they took off for their tour. But those got scrapped. Uh, we weren't able to do either one of those. Kind of got stuck in the hotel for half a day, which sounds bad. But when I was in the hotel, I looked out the window down on the street and it looked like a car show was breaking out. Now, as you can imagine, over Montere- Monterey Car Week, there's a lot of car shows breaking out. So I thought, oh, I'm in good fortune here. I can just run down there and check out this car show. So I walked down there and there's a table out front, a lot of cool cars in this building. The garage doors are up and it's $20 to tour Reggie Jackson's collections so or Reggie Jackson's actual car collection was in the building right across from our hotel. Now, we were staying at the Embassy Suites for one night in Seaside, so if you're ever staying in the Embassy Suites, look across at the brick building, and that is Reggie Jackson's collection. Now, he has agreed to be on the podcast. I want to have him cover his top 10 cars he would have in his ultimate garage. He has agreed to do so, so let's see if that actually happens. Super nice guy. When he heard about the podcast and how I kind of knew a little bit more than the average person about cars. He was kind enough to give me an entire tour of his collection, which is saying a lot because he has some really special cars. And Reggie really knows his cars. He's a big fan of the rare cross-am induction Chevys. A couple examples of the cars he has. He has a Camaro Z01. In his engine room, he showed me five ZL1 original aluminum blocks, which is just really crazy, because I've never seen one, much less five. He had some type of AC car, like an AC Bristol, and apparently Gary, his head shop guy, said it was one of the few ones that actually had a 289 put into it before it left the factory. Now, I find that kind of hard to believe, because, you know, the 260 was in the AC Cobra, but I told him, if you can verify that, that would add a lot of value to that car, because if it came from the factory with a real 289 engine, that's a very big deal. He had some uh, 427 C2 Corvettes. He had two gorgeous Chevelle LS6s, really rare, low mileage, unrestored ones. He had a lot of cool parts. He had a bunch of Yenko uh, like I said, rare engines. He had a bunch of Chevrolet, I'm sorry, yeah, Chevrolet Impala 409 engines in the back. A couple World Series trophies. He had a '63 Corvette fueling system in its original crate. So go to Instagram, check it out. I just posted those, so you don't have to scroll back too far to see this amazing historical induction system. Now, he did have a 1969-1970 Mercedes 3.5 convertible. He bought it like in 1983, I want to say, and it was brown on brown with a brown top and absolutely gorgeous. He really does know his stuff. I mean, he's got some really rare, rare pieces, some stuff I wasn't quite familiar with because they were kind of a deep dive into the Chevy world. Now, that night, Thursday night, was the first night of R.M. Sotheby's auction. Now, to get kind of a lay of the land of how this was set up, we were right downtown at the Monterey Conference Center at the Portola Hotel and Spa. So it's not like you walk in and there's all the cars. You could see an amazing set of cars outside. Again, all the pictures are on my Instagram feed. Kind of a circular area where the cars that were going to be auctioned off would be in a big circle, about three wide getting teed up. We have a Pagani private sale sitting out front under the lights, ready to go. You enter into the conference center, and you can almost go in any direction and see cars. Now, there was one main room that had the incredible Porsche 917 front and center with all the amazing Porsches and Ferraris around it. I think I counted up in that one room around $65 million worth of cars. You could go upstairs and see some pre-war classics that were throughout the upstairs lobby area. You could go outside, closer to the docks and the marina area where we had a lot of cars outside. And those were ones that were coming up the next day. So the way Arm Sotheby's had it set up was really, really cool. It was amazing to see how these cars turn out. You could pay, I don't remember, 20 bucks, 30 bucks and get in and just tour and look at all the cars all day. So it was a wonderful setup, wonderful location. Uh, many times I'd go either have lunch or dinner on the pier have some wonderful Dungeness crabs, some seafood with the sea lions who are swimming around out there. You could see four to six of them at any one time while you're having dinner. The uh, water was crystal clear. It's all a uh, skate, not necessarily a stingray swimming by, which was really cool. I videotaped it from my nephews and sent it to them. And so I'm going to read the recap of Thursday night. It kind of gives the Arm Sotheby's recap as a whole, but then I'll go into, this is the Arm Sotheby's verbiage uh, from their press release, and I'll do a little expansion for each of the nights. So Thursday night, uh, let's say the overall flagship auction grossed an astonishing $148,528,300 in total sales over the weekend over the company's three-night auction in Monterey, California, with an impressive 90% of all lots sold. That's a big deal, because if you go over 82%-ish, uh, that was a solid auction. But to hit 90% is really, really amazing. Now, there were bidders from 34 countries with 20% representing new clients. The 2021 sale featured a pronounced lineup of cars, including numerous blue-chip automobiles at multi-million dollar estimates. In total, 44 lots exceeded $1 million. Wow, my voice cracked when I said that. 16 lots exceeded $3 million, and 4 lots exceeded $5 million over the course of the three-night sale. The opening night, Thursday night, of the three-day auction kicked off with the presentation of the Paul Andrews State Collection, a remarkable collection of cars offered almost entirely without reserve, led by the stunning 1962 Aston Martin DB4 GT Zagato. The collection totaled almost $35 million with 25 of the 26 lots finding new homes. One of only 19 DB4 GT Zagatos built, this particular example was ordered new with numerous unique features specified by the original owner. It is undoubtedly one of the most collectible Aston Martins in existence and achieved $9,520,000 proving to be the top seller of the night and overall top selling lot of the sale. So the highest sale for the weekend was actually on Thursday night, which is insane. Now, just a little peek behind the tent here. We do have a pre-auction meeting where we kind of go through each of the different lots to find out the interest level of those lots. And if you're in our auction and you look towards where all the car specialists are sitting on the phone and you see so many stand up during an auction, that means there's a live phone bidder on the phone with them. So if you have... Three phone bidders, three car specialists stand up. That's pretty good because you got three folks. Well, we had one lot, and I'll get to it here in a little bit. A Ferrari Enzo had 10 phone bidders. So when you hear there's 10 phone bidders, something special is going to happen to that particular lot. Now, during this particular meeting for Thursday night, I thought there was an opportunity for one of my clients. There was a 1965 Pontiac Catalina 2 Plus 2 Sports Coupe. The estimate was forty to $50,000. There didn't seem to be a lot of interest in this car. It's a no-reserve car and the second car of the auction. So Thursday night, no-reserve, second car of the auction, not a lot of interest, supposedly. So I called up one of my Pontiac clients, and I said, you might want to, you know, let me get you registered for this. I think this is something you might want to jump on. So he was there on ready to bid on the phone, online, however he was doing it. $40,000 Forty to $50,000 estimate in a hammer sold at $84,000, over twice the low estimate. So my wonderful plans to get a wonderful car from my client did not happen because people were watching that car and they definitely bidded on it. All right. Now, one thing that really happened that was tremendously special Thursday night was a shocking event. I can't, <laughs> I can't, Played us up enough, but I really wanted to go and experience the quail. Now the quail, a motorsport gathering is a really cool event. I'd heard a lot about it, but it's really hard to get tickets and they're very expensive. The cheapest ticket. If you get through the lottery system is about $500, maybe it's $400, four or $500. So it's expensive to begin with. It's a lottery to get it. So you're not guaranteed. I did not get a ticket. I could have paid a thousand dollars about six months ago per ticket. I didn't want to do that. I could have paid $3,000 the week before the, the quail event. I definitely didn't want to do that. So I kind of felt like I was shut out. Now, I did ask one of my sponsors, who might be, possibly might have some tickets, if they would by any chance have any. And it was always, no, unfortunately we don't, unfortunately we don't. Well, while I was bid spotting Thursday night, I got a text asking, where are you? And I said, well, I'm bid spotting. <laughs> they said, I'll be right there. And they dropped off two wristbands for the quail thursday night which was just incredible so we did not have plans to go to the quail we were able to go to the quail and that is what we did on friday so friday comes around and like i said very expensive i got early passes which is great uh, one thing that was interesting is it is at the quail i don't know country club golf course i don't know how you would say it but it is huge so if i had to quantify it compared to mccall's i would say it's probably about Four times as big, maybe a little bit larger. So picture I guess a, a W is kinda like the way the space was laid out. So there were five mega tents where they had tapas and food, like a nice dining experience in five locations. Each one was different. So one might have Mediterranean food, one might have Italian food, one might have uh Japanese food. It was just amazing. And what was cool is they were spread out across the show field. So literally You would eat and drink, have a couple cocktails at one event, and then you walk and see the amazing cool cars. Uh, Then you go to the next tent. So, And in between there are all the cars, all the amazing cars, and a lot of the large automobile manufacturers use this event in which to premiere some of their cars. So just an incredible event. Let me go through some of the cars that were there. So there were quite a few of the cars that were at McCall's. The Ford versus Ferrari, Shelby's and Ferrari's were there. But then it had a lot of cool stuff. It had some pre-war European cars, like a Horch, a Mercedes SSK. There was a class for Lamborghini Countaches and Diablos. Uh, there was a bunch of Ferraris in the Ferrari class. All sorts of Porsches everywhere, including a couple two nine five nines. Now the brands that were in that were there in unveiling cars included Bugatti, Pagani, Lamborghini, Lotus, Acura, Hennessy, Lexus. Uh, let's see cars that were unveiled. Let's see Pagani Automobile. Now this is from the Quail website. Pagani Automobilia will celebrate the 10th anniversary of the launch of the Huayra. As the setting for the stand, there will be a selection of very special Huayras, including one of the latest Roadster BC models. Now, if you haven't seen a Pagani in person, until about two months ago, I had only seen one in person, and then I saw like six at a show. Well, there were probably about 12 of them at the Quail. Just absolutely gorgeous, beautiful cars. Bentley Motors had the Flying Spur Hybrid, which was wicked looking, a GT Speed, Uh, and they had a continuation blower, Car Zero, amongst others, not yet released. Uh, Let's see, Lamborghini launched the new Countach. They only made, I think, 112 of them. All of them were already sold out. Porsche Roof uh, debuted the SCR. Lotus debuted the Amira. Rimac displayed the Nevera. (laughs) These are some weird names, which is slated to become the world's fastest hypercar. Speedcore displayed the Hellraiser Charger. In his first ever public showing. And the vehicle was custom built for comedian Kevin Hart. Uh, So, really great people to meet. Cool things to see. They had the schedule of when these cars were being unveiled and displayed. Uh, Lexus had this neat little convertible. And what was great is I was able to meet some really cool people who have agreed to be on the podcast in the future. So, one great, nice, neat little story is when my wife and I sat down at the first table... Now, this is totally random. These are like 5,000 people walking around. You never know who you're going to sit with. So we sit down, and I'm talking to who I think is a father and a son. And I you know, I ask them, well, who's the bigger car fan? They pointed to each other. And I asked, why are you here? Well, we're actually racing a Porsche, a 1974 Porsche 911S at Laguna Seca. It used to be Paul Newman's car, which rang a bell with me because if you go back to one of my very first podcast episodes, I found that car near my dad's house in Holly Springs, Georgia, when it was being restored. A couple years later, it was a no-sale at Mecham, Indianapolis. And then, lo and behold, it shows up. Adam Carolla, world-famous comedian and host of CarCast, one of the top car podcasts in the world. He was racing that car. He owned that car. And on my way down to Monterey from San Francisco, my wife and I were listening to their podcast where they had talked about heading to Monterey And talked about the issues they were having with that 9-11. And lo and behold, I was sitting with Matt, the moderator, who is on the podcast, and Adam's son. So we're having lunch with those two guys. And who walks up to have lunch with us? Adam Carolla. So that was really cool. We had a good time talking to them about the Porsche. And Adam's agreed to be on the podcast. So that should be coming up in the near future. Uh, let's see the folks from speedcore They've agreed to be on the podcast. That one will be pretty cool to listen to. And then if you've been on Instagram for any length of time and our Ferrari fan, Ferrari collector, David Lee has agreed to be on the podcast. He's been on Jay Leno's, uh, Jay Leno's garage on YouTube numerous times sharing his wonderful Ferraris. He does a fantastic job on social media. So that will be exciting to see him or to have him on as a guest. Now let's get to the important stuff. Let's get to the goodie bag that we received at the Quail. So like I said, tickets were 450 to 1000 to $3000 and we got a poster, a pretty cool keychain, and the other stuff, it wasn't anything too special. Um I didn't take them because I couldn't figure out how to put them into my luggage. <laughs> so, you know, you don't go there for the goodie bag, I would say. Now, getting back to the RM Sotheby's results, let's talk about Friday night. Two lots to round off the top three sellers in Monterey were the 1962 Ferrari 268 SP and the 1966 Ferrari 275 GTB competition car, both of which were offered on the second night of the sale, Friday night of the sale. On a night that saw Ferraris take seven of the top ten most valuable lots to sell, the lure of the best examples of Maranello marquee is stronger than ever, the 268 SP, was Gutierrez Ferrari Works entry for the 1962 24-hour Le Mans and also a factory racing and development car for the mid-engine V8 configuration that became integral to the evolution of the Ferrari P-Cars series cars. Of the six produced, this is the only original example remaining that is fitted with the large eight-cylinder engine. It is Ferrari Classic certified with the original shark nose body configuration, boasts matching numbers throughout, and has had only two private owners since 1969, The car is one of the most desirable competition Ferraris in the world and sold for $7.7 million. Now the other car, the 275 GTB competition car, is the 11th of 12 examples built, featuring a 250 LM type dry sump Tipo 213 competition engine, thin gauge aluminum alloy coachwork, and an extensive use of lightweight components. This car is a three-time 24-hour Le Mans entrant in 1967, 1968, and 69. A class winner at the 1967 24 hours of Le Mans, 1969 1000 km of Spa, and 1969 1000 km of Spa, and 1969 500 km of Imola. Like the 268 SP, the car represents the peak of blue-chip competition Ferraris from the 1960s. This exceptional Ferrari matched the 268 SP and also sold for $7.7 million. Pretty interesting they sold for the same exact amount. Another standout competition Ferrari was the beautiful 1958 Ferrari 250 GT long wheelbase Baronetta Tour de France, a 2 time competitor at the Tour de France in 1958-1959, driven by privateer racer Jacques Perron, who specified his light blue over Havana livery. Achieving 4th overall in the 1958 Tour de France and 6th at the Monza Lottery in 1959 and boasting such an enviable period history, the Ferrari achieved $6 million at the auction. And this was a spectacular, beautiful car in that light blue color. Now, that was it for Friday night. Now, Saturday, uh, we decided to do the Concorde de Le Monde. Uh That is an event where people... It's like the opposite <laughs> of the Concorde elegance. You basically bring your trashy... Crappy, ugly cars. Uh, that was fun, I will say. I don't know that I would do it again, because also at the same time with Concorsio Italiano, that one I did not do because it was like 275 bucks a ticket. I mean, it's very, very expensive to do Monterey. I'm hoping next year I will be able to judge the Ferrari class at the Concorso Italiano. That's my hope. We will see if that happens because I am in training for the 275 GTBs. Okay, so this is Saturday Night Results. Again, this is from R.M. Sotheby's. The third day of the sale also saw an incredible single-owner collection of supercars offered entirely without reserve. Okay, let's say a little thing about reserve, no reserve. It is really, really smart to do no reserve if you have a collection. You're going to hit retail, and people get so excited about no reserve that typically they're going to oversell because you have so many people looking at these cars they have to have them that's what happened here offered entirely without reserve the fox collection features some of the world's most desirable modern era supercars and hypercars all boasting unique or rare specifications again ferraris were the star features within the collection and it was the 2003 ferrari enzo that's the one i mentioned earlier that had 10 phone bidders One of two cars delivered in a Nero and Coolio colorway. I don't know if I said that right, but basically black and tan, which proved to be the top lot, bringing almost $3.4 million. I think the high high estimate was $2.7. The 2012 Lexus LFA Nurburgring resulted in an outstanding $1.6 million. That was like a half million dollars over high estimate, breaking the record for Japanese road car, excluding charity lots. Of the 11 cars offered from the Fox Collection, eight secured a final price beyond their pre-sale estimate. So that was a win-win-win for the consignor by listing this amazing collection at no reserve. Another car that garnered significant pre-sale interest was the 1971 Lamborghini Miura P400S. You could not miss this car because it had no paint. A U.S. specification mural with an incredible history of having been hidden away in a California Bay Area warehouse for over four decades. A unique time capsule driven fewer than 16,000 miles, which was recently guided through a no expense spared sensitive revitalization with the aim of keeping the car as authentic as possible. The car offered a once in a lifetime opportunity and was secured for just over $2 million, almost $2.1 million dollars. Additional records were broken throughout the auction as the 1995 Ferrari F50 sold for almost $4 million. The 1994 Bugatti EB110 Supersport sold for almost $2.8 million. And the 1991 Jaguar XJR15 sold for $1.9 million. All bringing in record prices for the models. The 19, This was crazy. The 1959 Nissan Skyline GTR brought an auction record for the R33 generation Nissan Skyline with a sold price of 200 dollars Thirty-five thousand dollars. That was fascinating because it was the last lot of the night. I think the estimate was like ninety to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars, and people just kept on, but it ended up way over two hundred thousand dollars. If I remember correctly, it had a special paint job, which you just don't see, and it was fairly low mileage. Now, also this night at the auction, I was able to meet Chip Foose and Barry McGuire. So both of them had agree to be on the podcast. So we will see if that comes to fruition. It was really cool to meet both of those guys. Now, top 10 sales from our friends at Haggerty Media. This is not just RM Sotheby's, but this is for the entire weekend. I'll give you the little Haggerty intro here. While there are always auction events with more vehicles up for grabs, Monterey brings together more cars from the, mar- from the market's top shelf than anywhere else. In all, 82 cars sold on the peninsula for $1 million or more this year. Now, Arm Sotheby's had over half of those, and many of them were record prices. The, despite some big misses like the Jaguar D-Type, not sold at a $4.2 million bid. I'm not sure who had that one. A Golf Porsche 917, not sold at a $15 million bid. That was Arm Sotheby's. I'll go into that in a second. And a Mercedes-Benz CLK GTR, not sold at a $17 million bid by Gooding. Most of the week, seven- and eight-figure stars sold, and they sold well. Here are the top 10 from the lowest to the highest. So the lowest top 10 car was a 1963 Shelby Cobra 289 Rack and Pinion Roadster. Sold for four, just over $4 million. Now this was a factory race car. A 1958 Ferrari 250 GT Cabriolet SI closed headlight by Gooding & Company sold for $4.4 million. It just keeps on going up here. 1928 Mercedes-Benz 26-120-180S type sports tourer. Sold by Bonhams for million million. A 1929 Bugatti Type 35B Grand Prix by Gooding & Company sold for $5.6 million. A 1958 Ferrari 250 GT Tour de France, I mentioned that one before. Sold by Arm Sotheby's for $6 million. And then the next two are the two that I mentioned earlier, the 1966 Ferrari 275 GTB and the 1962 Ferrari 268 SP. Those sold by R.M. Sotheby's for $7.7 million each. And then R.M. Sotheby's top sale was the 1962 Aston Martin DB4 GT Zagato, Sold for $9.5 million. Gooding had a 1959 Ferrari 250 California Long Wheelbase Competition Spider closed headlight. Sold for $10.8 million. And the top sale of the entire weekend was the 1995 McLaren F1. Sold by Gooding & Company for $20.5 million. $5 $5 million. So two notes here real quick. The Porsche 917 that was not sold by RM Sotheby's high bid around $15 million. I do know that there were still some deals being working on, worked on. Hopefully you'll see an announcement that that car has been sold since the auction. That would be really, really awesome. And the other thing about the McLaren, I actually saw my first one on the road in Monterey. My wife and I were driving down to the hotel and coming towards us was a white McLaren F1 with a black spoiler and it, it was being hot rodded, which is pretty cool, because apparently I was talking to a coworker. It was one of the rarer GT models with that wing on it. I probably got that wrong, but it was a rarer model. And uh, so, you know, if this one sold for around $20 million, I bet that one was worth about $20 million as well. And it was being hot rodded around Monterey, which was really, really nice. All right, so for the last day, Sunday. Sunday's the big day. Pebble Beach Concord d'Elegance. So again, expensive to do this, $400 a ticket, and because my wife was with me, I wanted it to be a first-class experience, I upgraded to the Club d'Elegance, which was another $500 a ticket, very, very expensive. Uh, I figured, you know what, if you're going to do it the first time, let's get it right the first time. Now, the Club d'Elegance was kind of cool, and I would do it again if I can fit it in the budget. They provide breakfast, lunch, an open bar, desserts, and shuttle to and from the show, and parking. So I don't know the distance. They're not right there, but there's a shuttle bus. You could park at the Club de Elegance. You can grab a bite, jump on the shuttle bus. It's about a 10-minute ride to the Concours. It's only about a three-minute ride back. And their breakfast was like Eggs Benedict, bacon, fruit, pastries, omelet bar, smoked salmon, bagels, etc., Unfortunately, all of mine was cold. It was cold bacon, cold eggs, Benedict. I don't know if the little Bunsen burners went out or what. I should have gone to the omelet bar, and I'll remember that for next year. The lunch was unbelievable. It was hand-cut prime rib, as thick as you want, ham. They had a raw bar with Dungeness crab legs, king crab legs. Uh, They had just incredible desserts. I cannot say how amazing The lunch was. It was really, really awesome. And while you're having lunch, they actually have a big screen up there with what's going on in the concourse, so you actually see the live feed. So you're not missing anything. You can actually watch the award ceremony from there if you're headed out for the night. Now, one thing I did, and I do regret it, is I skipped Haggerty's Dawn Patrol because I just couldn't figure out a way to get the logistics to work for the car. I didn't want to drive, you know, at five o'clock in the morning all the way down to Monterey to have to drive back to get my wife because I know she would not want to be out there at five o'clock in the morning. I do regret that somewhat because the time at Pebble Beach, once the main crowd hit at 10 a.m., it was just really, really packed. It was hard to get a good picture of the car. It was still outstanding, amazing, incredible, but I would have rather had that time early in the morning like I do at Amelia Island and walk around the show field while the cars are moving. Julie Gouskalan with Hardy previous episode a couple couple weeks ago. She said that was one of her favorite things, and I totally agree. So that's something I would definitely do next week. Now, like I said, the actual show was incredible. We did do a docent tour, so that's where you have a quote-unquote expert kind of walk you around. You can do it the day of. They do fill up, so he was absolutely fabulous. The one thing, and you might have saw it on Instagram. I hope you did not, but there's a moment that he fires up a Porsche 917, one of the Gulf oil cars, not realizing it was still in gear, and it shoots forward about, I don't know, 10 feet or so before he gets it under control. So um, really unfortunate, but absolutely fantastic, awesome tour. Great guy. He had a lot on his plate, so I'm glad nothing worse happened. So my first impressions of Pebble Beach Concord d'Elegance, a whole Monterey week, it was just an incredible week. As far as the Concord, when you enter, there's the concept cars that you as you enter, Uh, We actually skipped the Ferrari Casa. Ferrari has its own house (laughs) not far from the entrance where all these amazing Ferraris were on display. This year was especially special because I believe it was 37 best-of-show cars were lined up along the ocean. So 37 years of the best car of each of those years was lined up along the ocean. That was really cool to see. I believe there were 13 Porsche 917s. They had Miller race cars. The preservation class was cool. Every single car you saw... Was jaw dropping, which makes it kind of difficult to look around because you just can't take it all in. Now, I would have been there until the last car was off of the show field, but I had to keep uh, my wife happy. <laughs> and most, even most car enthusiasts wouldn't stay that long. Uh, so, now let's get to the goodie bag. The goodie bag at the Pebble Beach Concourse d'Elegance at the Club de Allegance, this was the nicest one actually. It's kind of like this nice uh, fabric, I don't want to say canvas, I don't know. I don't know, I'm not a fabric person, but this nice fabric bag with leather straps and the images on the front are the previous best of show cars are on the print on the exterior of the bag. And inside it, you got a, a cedar box, like a little collector's box with a Porsche 917 image on the front of it and a poster and probably a couple other little magazines or something. So that was really nice. Now, one thing my wife and I do do is we collect magnets when we travel and I really wanted a magnet from the Concorde Elegance. But they only had one set, and it was a set of three magnets for $42. I'm like, I want my magnet, my one magnet to be $6. I don't want my one magnet to be <laughs> so expensive. Anyways, that was the end of the show. Uh, after that, we drove back up to San Francisco and jumped on the 12.30 a.m. red-eye flight with a layover in Minneapolis, landing in back in Cincinnati at 10.30 in the morning, Monday morning, and both of us drove straight to work. So that was a very, very rough day. I you might be wondering, what would I do differently next year? So a couple things I would do differently. I would definitely get direct flights and not let Delta screw them up for me. Um, like I mentioned, we took our vacation before the auction. Honestly, I would do my vacation after the auction. Get all the hard work out of the way first. Uh, we were pretty exhausted at the end of the week. I definitely do not want to miss the races at Laguna Seca next year. I would, obviously, I mentioned it before, do Hagerty's Dawn Patrol. I would probably skip the Concord de Limones and instead go to Concorso Italiano. I don't know if I would do McCall's. I did have a great time. It was a lot of fun. Um, I think if it comes to a budget constraint, I would much rather, and you get tickets to the quail. I'd rather do the quail. But again, those tickets are really, really hard to get. So as always, thanks for listening. Stay tuned. We got some cool stuff coming up over the next few weeks. I will have Patrick Long on to talk about Lufticult. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Nobody can tell me. People say, oh, I just call it Luft. So he's going to have Patrick Long's Ultimate Loop cult Garage or Ultimate loop Garage. I don't know. And the other thing I wanted to mention is it was really great to meet some of you, my listeners, in person. The Green Hat guy, John, it was really exciting to meet you in person. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we have a lot of common interest in Fords and Shelbys, which is really cool. And then it was really fun building up a community as I was bid spotting. The second night, I had quite a few people that said, I want to sit in your section. So that, uh, that was really cool, making those connections. And I know you're listening now, so thanks again for sitting in my section, letting me have some fun with you, and as always, listening. So anyway, stay tuned. A lot of fun stuff coming, as, and as always, thanks for listening.